Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. What is up, gang? James Azar here for this week's CISO Talk, and I've got a bonus episode coming up today. You guys are absolutely going to love it. Last year, we did a State of the Union with Patrick Benoit and Mark Hopped. Mark's been super busy, and plus, there's been no State of the Union this year, so there's really nothing for us to talk, a lot of it for us to talk about, but we've decided to transfer it and talk about it from the state of the vendor risk management perspective. So today is a bonus episode of CISO Talk. Not like anything traditional, focused strictly on vendor risk management. You're going to see some awesome faces coming up. But before we get started on today's episode, if this is your first time tuning in, please make sure to subscribe right now to our show. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe, turn on the notification bell. If you're listening after the fact on your favorite podcast listening platform, please make sure to subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Over 10,000 people have subscribed to this podcast just on Apple Podcast alone. Don't be one who has not subscribed yet. Please make sure to do so right now. Today's show is supported by friends over at Wistic, and you won't want to miss the episode we got with my friends over at Wistic today talking about state of vendor risk management. Also, behind me, in case you've missed it, in case you haven't seen it, in case you've been living on a planet that I don't know what it is, our fundraiser for the month of April the stream to serve for the Wounded Warrior Project. You get me out of these black, ugly t black, lovely t-shirts into that ugly paisley shirt that's right behind me. I've got some ridiculous ones coming in for our next milestone. The link to donate is available in the description of this podcast. So please make sure to go in. Any donation of any size goes a long way to support our veterans and those that need the most support in an awesome organization for the Wounded Warrior Project. So please make sure to do that as well. So now, without further ado, let's get right into today's show. You don't want to miss it. You haven't tuned in. You know what time it is. Here we go, folks. It's CISO Talk Time. From the Cyber Hub Bunker in studio, you're listening to the CISO Talk Podcast. No sales, no bullshit, just straight talk. Straight talk. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode, a very, very special show today. Joining me, a familiar face, one that's been on the show 
many, many of times. The legendary Patrick Benoit. He's the global head of GRC and BISA over at CBRE. Patrick, what is happening? Oh, it's great. I appreciate being here. And for all the listeners and viewers, if it's scary, just turn my video off. You know, I like the background. The, the, the floor <laughs> really brings out your personality. There you go. <laughs> Nick, the CEO of Wistic and one of the great supporters of our podcast. Nick, how's it going? Thanks for having me, James. Really excited. I don't have the floral in the background, though, so sorry to be boring. Well, it's okay. Um, we are kind of, you know, the, it's it's the we've all kind of become accustomed to like doing video calls with like the fake Zoom backgrounds, right? Like the the beach or the mountains or you know the company logo. It's it's good to kind of refresh that. I'm going. Right? I'm going plain and simple today with white. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the deal, folks. Sp- special bonus episode of CISO Talk. Don't typically do this. State of vendor risk management for 2021. We're going to evaluate 2020 in case you guys fell asleep. You didn't wake up in 2020. You kind of cruised through the year. We had a bunch of really interesting stuff happen. Let me give you a recap of 2020. In January of 2020, we started with what was at the time one of the greatest, most powerful vulnerabilities. You guys remember Citrix? Yeah. Or was it so long ago that you guys would go, whoa, I forgot yeah. about Citrix in January. Yeah. Citrix right. in January and February dominated the new cycle in cybersecurity. And then in March, we got COVID. And COVID kind of diminished Citrix and brought about this whole talk for about six months of work from home, work from home, work from home, managing the new endpoints, the new business, what's it going to look like, the new tomorrow, digital transformation. Every single buzzword that's in the buzzword graveyard was used on plenty of emails that made it into my spam folder. And as we kind of fast forward through the year, or we slow paced and walk through it, in December, we got what was could be argued as the most significant and sophisticated data breach in modern history, the SolarWinds breach, software supply chain risk that translated to the Microsoft Exchange proxy logon vulnerabilities that we've seen this far so far this year. And now we're seeing software supply chain be kind of a thing. This is a quick recap. But now we look at the state of vendor risk management, and it's a It's a very interesting, it's a buzzword topic, but we're not going to talk about buzzword. We're going to talk about this today from two different aspects. One is business. The other is actionable items that you can take into your business tomorrow to fix it. So let's talk a little bit about this. The aftermath of SolarWinds and Exchange. Patrick, I'll kick this off with you. Here's the pitch. Yep, there you go. I I was going to say, you you may have forgotten the uh, media hype about how evil Zoom was, too. That was in the midst of all that as well. That that was in the midst of all that, right? um, What was it called? Like Zoom crashing? It was, uh, yeah. Zoom bombing. uh, Zoom bombing. bombing. Yeah, Zoom bombing. Yeah, yeah. You know, as I was taking my notes and prepping for this episode, you know, I looked at Zoom bombing as being more of a, um, less of a risk and more of just, tremendous growth in a matter of time where they didn't think that this was going to be an issue. Well, yeah, let's, let's not take any personal responsibilities for the hosts that were hosting those zoom shows that got zoom bomb, but be that as it may, the media thought it was an important thing to, to do. And so we ran with it. Um, solar winds. Yeah. Wow. So um, from, from my point of view, um, 
you know, we, we were, we were in a good position. You know, we, we, we do all the things that we think we are doing and we check to make sure that we're really doing them and that they come out right and everything. And so our position was after we did all of our forensics, we, uh, we were starting to get in the numerous, um, uh, new sets of questions from, from our clients. And uh, just like you know, Nick will be well aware of, every set of questions is a little bit different. It's a little bit different format. We're asking only about solar winds and what we did, but they still have some had two questions, some had five questions, some had one question, some couldn't uh, write a discernible question. Um, out of that, uh, the approach to, that I chose to take was, look, here's what we did. We did a full report. It was a little one page that said, Here's what we found. Here's what we did. Here was uh, there was no impact. Here's what we've done to further our, our position, make sure, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is this is our report. This is what you're getting. And that's it. So anytime a questionnaire came in that had three or four of those questions, I immediately sent back the email that said, here's our official statement. Um, we're not commenting anymore on it. We're done and sent it off. <laughs> And uh, to this day, I haven't gotten a follow-up on any, from anybody, which is interesting. So. so has the conversation really evolved um, from an executive level around the software supply chain since SolarWinds and Microsoft Exchange for you? I, I don't know it's, it, what, that it's evolved that much. Uh, the, the awareness has come more and more to where, fr frankly, financial institutions have been there for a couple of years where they start asking us, you know, they'll ask a, a purse, a vendor to um, uh, give them information about the vendors, third parties. And so then my question always becomes, where does that stop? Do you do fourth parties? Do you stop at fifth parties or do you go on to sixth parties and ask for the same thing? So I've always taken the position that the relationship is between me and my vendor, not between my client and my vendor. Therefore, I will run my third-party risk assurance program, third-party assurance program, and I'm more than happy to attest to my clients that that you know this is what's in our program, this is how we run it, we've run it against this vendor, and it's good. But there is still a lot of push and movement to want to physically see stuff, uh, third, fourth, fifth party down that. Um, there's no legal relationship with that that entity to be able to ask for that information. So, so Nick, from your perspective, how has the conversation evolved post Solar Winds and Microsoft Exchange? Yeah, I think one of the things that Patrick highlighted is something that we've noticed: this word awareness. So. One of the challenges that we face as an industry is that still a lot of the emphasis and understanding about the importance of security of our vendors and third-party relationships sits within the CISO team or the security community and not broadly shared at the board level or in, in other business parts of the company and organization. And so Unfortunately, we look to events like this that are highly publicized and widely you know, acknowledged to, to help us with that. And so that's one of the things that we've seen. Areas, and Patrick mentioned this, you know, financial services has been focused on this for a long time. And they may be one of the industries that's asking the most detailed and in-depth questions uh, about this type of uh, incident. 
but a lot of industries that didn't ever care about this are starting to care about it now. And some of these headline um, items are starting to, to help with that. And we see, uh, we just see a lot more awareness needed. You know, it, not that we want to see more of these events happening, but um, that certainly helps the cause when you when you've got security teams that are sort of saying, "I told you so." We wanted to invest in this. We wanted to take areas to protect against this. Um, so that's one of the biggest things that we've seen since then is is a shift towards more organizations starting to think about it when they haven't previously. Still got a long ways to go, um, but that's been a huge huge shift in the last few months. To me, what's very interesting about the conversation and how it's shifted is the business impact, right, of something like SolarWinds or Microsoft Exchange. Because from an executive perspective, one of the one of the questions we've been fielding, I think, and a lot of systems have been fielding is, well, what could we do about this in the future? And I don't know that there's anything you can do when you're talking about giants like Microsoft. I mean, Microsoft was a victim of a victim. Right, SolarWinds, one victim. Through SolarWinds, they got to Microsoft, secondary victim. Now we got third level victims, which is all the organizations that used Microsoft Exchange, which I think is like 77 or 80% of the Fortune 500 companies and governments in the world. It's, um, it's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And I think this conversation has been able to kind of highlight and beef up the, the perception around you know, we can only do so much in security, but we can't mitigate every single risk unless we do everything internally. And even then, that doesn't guarantee that these risks won't exist anymore. It's kind of really taking the conversation back to risk analysis and risk uh, risk aversion for and risk appetite for a business. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm just going to say there's no certainly no silver bullet on that topic. But one of the things out of our so we we run the state of vendor security report um, that we were talking about today, obviously in the, in this episode. And one of the interesting things that over the last couple of years have sh- has shifted dramatically, like a 50% increase is the number of companies investing in software in this area. And it's still, you know, still over 40% of companies don't do anything on this front, but that's kind of a barometer for how people are caring about or paying attention to this, just broadly speaking. So that's that's an interesting uh, interesting trend. You know, that's the tip of the iceberg. That's just one aspect of that. Um, but it's something that we we obviously track at, at Wistic and pay attention to. We're going to need a lot more attention from business leaders on this topic to continue to make headway, though. Yeah, and and, and Nick brought out an interesting point in that uh, when you talk about awareness. What we have seen a huge shift in is that we we always had some difficulty getting a tight tie into the uh, procurement process to ensure that that all uh, every time it went through procure anything went through procurement that they stopped and asked uh, you know security specifically third party assurance you know have do we have a vendor management or vendor risk assessment on this particular vendor. And if so, how does that merge with the procurement risk assessment for dollar spend and volume and things like that to give us an overall risk rating for the vendor? And now we're seeing greater uh, inclination to include us earlier and earlier, which which is an important thing. The the other thing Nick said (laughs) that's really critical, uh, well, and James, you said too, when you talk about the Microsofts of the world, we we have to pick on the big guys. So the Microsofts of the world, if, if a client comes to me and says, 
we want XYZ evidence of compliance for your email system and you're running 0365 as an example. Other than going to the trust center and downloading what they make publicly available, what is it that they think that we can force Microsoft to give us? It's not as if we can turn to Microsoft and say, we must have, or we won't do business with you because that's not going to happen. And so why would a financial institution or another client come to us expecting that that would be the case? They can't ask Microsoft to get those things. So why would they think that we could? <laughs> That's a really interesting point, Pat, because it's, um, it's one where people kind of come in with these really weird demands and well, we want to know what you're doing in email security. And I'm like, I'm not giving you my blueprint of what I'm doing in email security. Like, yeah. like, I don't know. Can I audit you before you audit me to make sure that what I give you doesn't get breached from your end before you come and ask me these questions? Well, it's interesting. I had to ask that question once because somebody came to us asking for, for something really crazy. And, and so I was on the call with the InfoSec folks and I said, um, no, I'm sorry. We can't give that to you. I mean that that would create undue risk on our in our uh, place position, and he said, "Ah, that's okay. Don't worry about it." We always ask, and about ninety percent of the people just give it to us anyway. But we know that you can't really give it to us reasonably. So <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> really, that's greatness. But yeah, that that's the the mentality. And and I've also had the conversation with infosec uh, uh, people doing audits like that, compliance audits. And they'll want to do, um, oh, they'll want authenticated access to do uh, authenticated pen tests on my environment. And I'm like, um, no. And um, I'm one of your customers. So do you mind giving me credentials so that I can do an authenticated pen test on your bank? Uh, well, no, we can't do that. Exactly. Exactly. Now you're understanding. Yeah. Let's take this conversation. Go ahead, Nick. Did you have something to add? Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, I think we're highlighting something interesting that is, I think this is, this is healthy for the industry. The more awareness, the more focus on this, the more these reviews happen, the more sort of the fluff has to melt away because there's going to be too many of these. We're, we're going to have to have too many conversations. There's going to be too many follow-up questions. There's going to be too many vendors that chase down and third parties that it just has to evolve. And we're starting to see that in certain aspects of the market as well, where these things are breaking and sort of the, the people are realizing like, like Patrick saying like, yeah, that is not, that's not the most important question. Okay, let's move on. Or that is an area that we probably don't need to spend another five hours on. Let's just move, you know, we're okay without that. And it's, it's interesting because the cream is rising to the, to the top, meaning the most important things are going to, are gonna um, remain afterwards. And, and we're seeing some of this administrative fluff that melts away. Um, and we see that in the in the survey as well. I think the, the stat was over 75% of sales processes today involve security mm -hmm. assessment. It was one of the interesting uh, findings from the from this last year's survey. That's continuing to go up. It's well, not James going away. Me, James has heard me preach about that is I, I think we should be looking for ways to try and monetize security even in the smallest amounts and use security as a value added sales tool. And we don't do that enough. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be the case. Um, I think there's tons of opportunity uh, to do things. And, and James, so you can, you can put this uh, under the label of extremely controversial, but it came out of my mouth is 
I can't believe I'd say it, but I'm not so sure that I wouldn't be happy to see a collective of um, compliance or risk entities get together and create basically a PCI kind of standard for vendor risk management, just so that we could all have a single standard and we could all live by a single standard and not be answering questions off Excel spreadsheets. That's um, that's something very interesting. We did a uh, webinar a while back, uh, Nick and I, with uh, Chris Roberts and Gray Meyer Cleveson. I'm sorry, who's the CISA over at Hollard Insurance in Australia, and we talked about do we need a framework for vendor risk management, and it was a very um, very interesting conversation. And I won't bore you guys with the details. I'll just say go back and watch the the uh, the webinar. It's available now on YouTube. Um, so just go look it up, but let's talk a little bit about the software supply chain, because when we look at solar winds, we look at exchange and we look at the recent threats across organizations and we're seeing the sophistication of our adversaries. They're targeting our DevOps people. They're targeting open source software. They're going after the software supply chain because it's easier to plant back doors. It's harder to get recognized the antivirus and all your endpoint security, all your EDRs, XDRs, RDRs, whatever acronym DR that you put on something now can't recognize something malicious when it comes through from a trusted source, right? How do you see software risk management and vendor risk management evolve over the next 12 months? I think we have to get more and more attuned with the idea of, uh, of being able to analyze, uh, you know, and make quick decisions about traffic and, 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 and information before it's able to infiltrate our systems. And so now you're talking about, you know, James favorite buzzword of AI and ML that's actually real. You know, if you can get to a point where as it hits your environment, you have sufficient information collected, sufficient intelligence derived where you can say, no, 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 we can't let that through because we, we're pretty, pretty darn sure that's the case. I don't know how you would, how you would do anything after the fact that's that much more effective than, than all the things we're trying to do right now. One of the things I think about, in addition to that, Patrick, on, on the more the business side of things, we talked about this a little bit, but as the complexity of the supply chain increases, the ability to, to spend time on the less important things decreases, you have to prioritize. Right. And so we see over the next 12 months, James, to this question, I see a lot more uh, forcing functions on transparency and getting more proactive on this topic. Patrick mentioned this, uh, doing this for CBRE, putting together your stance on solar winds and pushing that out as opposed to being a reactive you know you send me questions i'll answer them now here's our here's our position here's what we did there it is you know that's it and we're not going to go through this exercise of answering over and over again because this is all you're going to need on that topic that is that is happening in a number of different market uh, verticals and for companies especially that are doing this for the first time and, and kind of paying attention i'm um, saying we need to start doing you know vendor security assessments on our third parties or for companies that are selling and going through this over and over again, that 
complexity again is forcing more collaboration, more transparency. Um, and frankly, it's breaking the legacy systems. It's breaking the Excel spreadsheets. It's breaking the, you know, send it and wait three weeks and, you know, all that sort of stuff is, it's breaking honestly across a, a number of different companies right now as we speak. And, and, and that's a good thing, you know, that a lot of those processes are, are, are time wasting and need to be evolved and they haven't in a number of years. Well, we're, we're talking about ways to kind of proactively do things like that from the uh, answering questions point of view too. Um, you know, take the, take, take the SIG questionnaire and answer it with a standard set of responses and then uh, put it in any one of the systems, whether, you know, be WISTIC or any competitor and say, here's our 1500 plus answers to questions. And as long as the, the application tools would then allow us to push that out to any system or any format. So, it, you know, if the vendors would, if one vendor would ever get to the point where they say, I'm willing to API with other vendors to share this information, and there's some transactional cost potentially, whatever, but at least we can share. That's going to start to consolidate the use of those tools. And then the, the tools that will lead the way will be those that are most open to that kind of thing. And then, then you work on pushing out the spreadsheets back to, to, uh, to people that are still only working, clients that are still only working on spreadsheet levels. So I think we can proactively start to do what you're talking about, Nick, by just saying, we're going we're gonna to sit on the standard called SIG. There's more information in SIG than you could ever use. So just take it and then only come back to me with specific, a couple of specific questions that you need clarification on. Yeah, really interesting, Patrick. That's essentially what we built on one side of Wistic. Our, our software enables that. And you bring up a good point <clears throat> that while, while we may feel this pull to go create a new standard, there's already, you know, we support, I think, over 16 now on our platform today. And we see it as an evolution over time. Maybe some of those fall off. Uh, but these are widely adopted. Tens of thousands of companies, like you're saying, use the Shared Assessment SIG or the Cloud Security Alliance CAIQ or the Vendor Security Alliance or ISPA 27001. So let's start there. You know, let's start where people are at, take the spreadsheets and convert them into, into these standards. And that's an interest, another interesting stat from this, this latest vendor, state of vendor security report is that 50 per, close to 50% of companies said that in the next year, they're looking to adopt one of those standards. And that's up as well. That's a trend that's been increasing year over year for a while, which is you've got a bunch of bespoke ad hoc custom sets of questions that people are really they're not inventing these questions. They're just sort of pulling on Frankenstein from all the different standards and mashing them up together. Right. Right. And, right. So, and so you get the same question asked in a different way over and over again. Um, but that's another trend. It's going to take years, but that's another trend that's that we're seeing evolution on is more uh, coalescing around some of these standardized frameworks, which is good for the industry. So, so that's a very interesting point, which is the idea of of people kind of taking all these different frameworks and kind of trying to piece together a questionnaire from them, right? Which essentially all, all it ends up creating is a lot of duplication and the cost of vendor risk management for an organization in the pre-sales process really does impact margin. So streamlining that process for an organization, for a CISO is really important because that reduces your, if you're able to reduce your overall cost 
And instead of having, you know, five people on your vendor risk management side, filling out these questionnaires, jumping on calls, doing all of that, you're able to take it down to two. Well, you've just cleared three heads to go to engineering, architecture, and really hands-on security, which, you know, in today's day of age, we need more of those than more of the people who fill out Excels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that extends the sales team as well, James. That was an interesting finding from the from the survey. Roughly 70% of the time, a salesperson is actually helping to fill this thing out. So it's scary on some levels. You know, that's another topic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another topic, right? But just not only is it the InfoSec team's time, and the business resources there, but it's this, it's the lack of, you know, salesperson should be selling and not dealing with this back and forth in these questions. And so um, the average amount of time there, I think was around six and a half hours a month for the sales reps that responded to the survey. So, well, so selling time dedicated to security, not an ideal scenario. And, and the vast majority of questions answered, frankly, well, I shouldn't say that. So a big chunk of the question is going to be policy oriented, so they can be answered by GCSO. But all the remaining questions tend to be very application or service specific. And even the security office may not have a good sense of um, how those uh, those applications or services specifically handle data, as an example. They may know that we have you know data loss prevention or we have WAF out there or we have encryption or whatever the case is but they're not going to know specifics about the data and the handling and credentialing necessarily within all these applications. So it then starts eating up all of those engineers time too. Um, I was going to call out that, that this uh, it's a, it's about perspective and we see this in the cloud world as well. We see lots of engineers uh, in, in technology from an on-prem point of view, the old system admin kind of view that have, to some degree, run a little scared with everything moving to the cloud because they have this sense that I'm not going to then have a need for system administrators, traditional system administrators. And the reality is that's true, but those traditional system admins can easily be retrained and given additional uh, expertise to be able to function in the cloud environment. But there's been a resistance because of that. And I think we see some of that, too, in large companies that have very large uh, risk assurance uh, teams that efficiency is not their friend because the more they automate and the more they get efficient, the smaller that team could get. And I think there's fear in that. And I, and I think it drives some of the decisions to not find the best way to get there. So you're highlighting something that I think is really, really the challenge of security practitioners everywhere, right? And a lot of the people who listen to the show are practitioners. And I think this is where we have something that I like to call in large organizations, kind of like hidden unemployment. The people who really work 20 hours a week, get paid for 40 hours a week, and you can really condense those positions and really allocate that money to in your security program to other things that are that are far more critical than just you know the risk uh, assurance side or the vendor risk management side or third-party assurance or whatever name the company gives them because God knows they invent them right um, as they go along. Someone says, "Hey, I want to be a I want to be an ISO somewhere," and they invent ISOs for 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 random people to just you know kind of fill the gap and create promotions within within the organization. I've been a firm outspoken person on this and it doesn't make me very popular among the middle management at cyber but it 
but it sure needs to be addressed because one thing that you said prior to when we started recording, Pat Patrick, was we're all in sales and our job is to sell security internally, externally, among our stakeholders, get buy-in into our program. We create a program as CISOs. We create a program as global heads of GRCs. We create a vision for our companies as CEOs. And our role is to get everyone within our organization to buy into what we're trying to accomplish. And the problem we're talking about right now is uh, is one of the challenges of why it's very hard for people to break into cybersecurity. Because we have a lot of different gatekeepers sitting in a lot of different roles that don't need to be there. And from a vendor risk management management perspective, we can automate this, win the business over by showing, hey, we're automating this process. Here's the standard we're following. Here's why it's effective. Here's our top 10 customers. And they all want this standard. So as far as we're concerned, if our top 10 customers that generate 60% of our revenue, right, love this, then everyone else will. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And, 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 you know, in the purest sense, business sense, we only have two values to provide to the business as security practitioners. We either reduce risk or we somehow help enhance revenue. If we can't do those things in some combination, there's, where's the value in its purest form? Nick. Yeah, I was just, yeah, just going to comment on that, Patrick, really well said. I've heard others communicate it in a similar way. And I, th- I think we need more of that mindset in the vendor risk management side of, of things, especially as we think about how do we put together a program that enables more revenue? It's just not something that we hear a lot. <laughs> you know, It's right. not something that's talked about a lot. And back to the trends, one of the, you know, all think about all those trends we've talked about already. It's just putting, it's shining more of a spotlight on it. I guess I can put it that way. And the more we can communicate in business terms of how my infosec or risk management team can enable revenue for the company, the more resources we're going to get, the more we're going to realize, like you're saying, James, which pieces are really crucial, which other pieces are actually slowing down revenue and creating friction instead of, you know, reducing risk or enabling revenue. I just think that's a really powerful point, Patrick, that you mentioned there. Uh, well, and sometimes we get caught up in the weeds, right? We're not we're not zooming out enough to say, what are we really doing? This is about I'm trying to sell you something. You're trying to reduce risk. Okay, let's just let's just get together on that. Well, and the first step on the road to recovery is, you know, we have to admit that there's a problem. And so all of the practitioners in the world that have come up through the security ranks and then become CISOs need to accept that they have a problem if they have not come to the dark side and understood that they are salespeople by and of their true nature. They have to be salespeople in order to be real business people. And uh, so once they accept that, then uh, things will become much easier. So there's a few people who are very, very smart when it comes to that kind of stuff. Tim Callahan over at Aflac. I think you know Tim, Pat. Yeah. He's he's one of those very well-articulated people who who's really able to kind of nail that down from a sales perspective. And anytime Tim is speaking anywhere, I kind of, that tends to be one of the people, uh, Ron Green from MasterCard. I think that guy's the ultimate showman of, 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 of 
of explaining sales and that only explains how MasterCard has elevated his role from two years ago to what it is today, which is, you know, the global chief security officer for MasterCard um, and so many others, man, like, I, I don't know. I mean, honorable mentions, who do you have? Oh gosh. You know, it's, it's, I, I honestly don't know that I could, could throw very many names out there. I may have, you know, I've heard uh, of the, those that you've talked to and know them, but there, in my mind, there. I don't think there are that many out there that talk that talk a lot. So, you know, Ross Young from Caterpillar also does an excellent job of kind of okay. presenting that stuff. And then, and I think he, he does it fairly well, but Ross is very uh, mild-toned. And mm. so, like, he, he, he you know, um, uh, on Friday had the opportunity to, to hang out with uh, – um, ben Harvey from uh, from Tyson Krupp and a few of the and, and Ray Griffin over from Cox Media. Now passionate guys, right? So so really passionate guys. So you kind of st- are starting to see that idea that we're in sales, but I think CISOs need to start less focusing on tools and more focusing on optimization of your security program. I think we've reached a point where now we kind of need to st- like before we spend, just maybe let's stop for a moment, let's review, let's evaluate. Let's optimize what we've got. Let's cut off the fat. Let's make the machine lean so that way our our teams are far more equipped. I mean, people always talk about, you know, the cost of vendor risk management, right, and running the program, and they look at it as a way to finance their teams. But, you know, we all need help in incident response. None of us have enough people in our incident response teams, which, which is why we engage third and fourth parties. Right. I mean, Every CISO's got two companies on retainer for incident response. Yep. So, so th- there, there's that aspect to look at as well. Yeah, it's 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 a. Uh, in my mind, it's a uh, it's the basic 101 idea again. You know, we have these things that we fail to do because we're chasing shiny objects, and in, in my opinion, you know, an assessment of the uh, percentage of your tools that are functional versus non-functional. Um, is is critical, and and I suspect there are lots of uh, tools that are deployed at companies out there, security tools that are at best 50-50, 50% used, 50% not used, and that's too low. Um, you know, we need to be driving that efficiency, James, that you talked about, and driving the use up before we go buy the next shiny object. But that's that goes right into vendor risk management. Sure. Right. And, and here's where it goes right into vendor risk management. Nick, you're going to like this. So think of all the people who, when you're um, jumping on them, they go, yeah, we're using vendor X. And it can be a big name vendor. You know, I don't, I don't endorse vendors unless they pay me. I'm kidding. I'm joking. But, you know, <laughs> but, you know, you take that, that, that aspect of it and you go, they go, yeah, we're secure. We're using company X. And I'm like, well, have you know, then you ask them like three really important questions. How do you implement it? How are you using it? How are you monitoring it? And when they can't answer those three, they go, you go, all right, so you've just bought something very expensive, but you have no clue how it works. It's like buying a Porsche and never taking it on the highway. Right, right. And and you have that same, uh, the, the similar scenario of, uh, you know, buying, buying stuff that never gets used or gets partially used, you know, all over the, all over everywhere. It, it's just, it's rampant throughout technology in general. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think related to that, James, on the topic of vendor risk management, one of the things that we see that's that's really interesting is the flip side of, of assessing your vendors is obviously being a vendor that gets assessed by your customers. Patrick's talked about that. <clears throat> Most companies are in that in that realm as well. You you have to assess your vendors and you're getting assessed by your customers. On that seller side of things, an interesting you know, challenge we see with companies today is we go in and our, our pitch, um, I'm not gonna give it now, but it just highlights the fact that people are stuck in this mindset of, I just need software to help me with the symptoms and not the core. And Patrick, you know, highlighted this, Let's zoom out a little bit and just say, why are we even doing this? And do we wanna automate that? Or should we just get rid of that whole thing together, right? <laughs> Does that process really need more money thrown at it? Or should we just not be doing that and do it in a different way? And I think that's what some of the things that we're seeing, again, from the, from the state of vendor uh, security survey uh, that we're seeing highlighted from the, uh, from the data in this past year is that more and more people are questioning the status quo and looking towards maybe we need to get more effective or efficient. And that, uh, like you said, James, should start with a process or a policy. Well, that should start with a, not start with a, a tool, right? Yeah. Sorry, I just to say, in all fairness, that we, we are in some ways creating our own problem defensively because what's happened is, you know, because of pandemic and everything else, I hate blaming things on pandemic, but, you know, <laughs> certainly, certainly uh, there has been a reaction to it that has created budgetary and resource constraints such that we've put ourselves in a position uh, where defensively, we don't have time to do anything but solve the symptoms. So we're band-aiding stuff. And it's because of uh, not having the proper resource, you know, not properly funding uh, the security function, uh, not properly staffing the security function. Right, but, but here's the way to resolve it, right? Optimize and automate your vendor risk management. Save that money that you're investing there. For large organizations, that's in the millions. That's significant headcount when you look at uh, tier one, tier two incident response people, right? right. That's 10 more people on your incident response team easily. Mm -hmm. And I'm being conservative. Yeah. Yeah. And one, one just real world example, James, that, that Patrick I'm sure will resonate with and all the practitioners is just, we think about all the questions we get from our clients and our prospects and how much time, how much cost it takes us to just respond to that churn. We'll do what Patrick just you know, recommendation to the listeners, do what Patrick just demonstrated with his SolarWinds, put together your response before you get those questions and start pushing that out instead of just reacting, right? Take it, take matters into your own hands. Um, and it's just, it's just interesting. Sometimes we, we are stuck in this rut of, I get questions, I answer them. Well, why don't we put together and get more transparent and more proactive on what our program and our stance actually is and the policy docs that you're going to want to know and our answers to the SIG questionnaire and all this stuff and put it in your hands before you ask for it. And that will eliminate three and a half weeks of dance back and forth. And we can get down to brass tacks and really focus on what matters most. That's a real world example of what we're talking about there where just so much time is spent in the back and forth administrative side of things when we could kind of cut to the chase and we're starting to see a lot of uh, organizations taking that trend. It's it's highlighted again in the in the data that we received from the survey last year. One of the biggest uh, wasted areas for large companies 
especially large global entities, is they will do a vendor risk assessment on a vendor when you start doing business with them in the Americas. And then as soon as they pick up your business in APAC or EMEA, they turn around and try to do the exact same assessment again because they don't, the, the regional departments, the regional teams between these, in these clients don't talk to each other. So you end up doing three different assessments. Now, proactively, you know, we, we go, wait, we just did that for the Americas. Here, take this and tell us what else you need. But why would they not see that in their own procedures from the get-go? Yeah, challenging, complicated process for sure. So Nick brought up what I think to be is the most challenging topic in cybersecurity today, transparency. And um, I've wrote an article uh, you guys can find on Substack called The Microsoft Doctor and kind of talks about how Microsoft handled the solar winds issue and how open book they were as far as communicating stuff out in record speed without any thought to recourse to how they're dealing with it. How do we increase transparency and vendor risk management? really so that we encourage more cooperation and get rid of some of the red tape that exists within the process. I can chime in there, Jamie. One of the things that I, I think we've talked about that really helps with this transparency in a lot of ways is about communication. <clears throat> so what language are you speaking? What are you talking about so that we can collaborate on a topic? And so I, I think coming back to that prior topic of standardization, I think that's really important actually because it enables more transparency. If you're speaking a language and I can speak that language too, then I can be confident in being transparent with you that I'm not gonna be misunderstood. And so I, I think that that topic is really important, whether that's standardization around, you know, uh, a framework, a cybersecurity framework like the Cloud Security Alliance or the shared assessments or on any sort of topic. So I, I think that's one piece. I think secondly, the buyers, the organizations doing the assessments, we as practitioners that are doing the assessments, we should invite and encourage that. And uh, there's you know best practices and things around that, but the, the topic of just, hey, I wanna actually know the reality of where you're at so that we can work on this together. This isn't a pass fail exam. I need to understand exactly you know where we stand as opposed to you're gonna be cut off and we're never gonna have another conversation about it. Just changing the the dynamic and sort of inviting the transparency is one trend that we're seeing as well. And then I think the, the last one is just, we're seeing more sellers that are pushing transparency to the buyers. And that helps because if you're doing assessment on organization and you get their information and their transparent posture and their documentation before you ever ask for it, that's what you expect the next time you want to, you want that, you know, once you taste it, you want it again. And so, just to highlight, we can do this from both sides, both the buyers and the sellers in this equation can help with that um, topic. Those are a few you know, things that, that we think about a lot. Well, when you start talking about transparency and common language was the key point there for me is that, um, you know, uh, James and I have had this discussion many times, words have meaning. And, and, and in some ways our, our industry has created, again, its own worst enemy because we create buzzwords that have no meaning or uh, convey little understanding of what it is that, that, that they're supposed to. And so as a result, we have all this confusion that goes on because of 
using words that don't mean what they were intended to mean. So I think that's an important aspect of that transparency too, is let's say what we mean and mean what we say. So you bring up a very, um, very interesting point around vocabulary in language, but the challenge with transparency in most cases is um, there are some people in security who seem to take the term security a little too, a little too literally when it comes to who they talk with. So when I want to do business with company X, right? I want to know, like Nick said, where you're at, what you're struggling with. So I know the risk. I'm not going to go to the business and say, don't use these guys because of all these things. I'm probably going to go to the business and say, the cost of doing business with this, with these guys is going to be very different. Right. Right. And there's one there, there's that there's that one piece there. And I think and, and, and the second one that really kind of resonates with transparency is the idea of we some people take it so seriously. They go, I don't want to tell you anything. You know, like they get on a call and you go, so, um, you know, how many open source repositories are you guys using within your software? Well, you know, that's confidential. Is it? I mean, really, is it? I mean, does it have to be? How many open source repositories are you using? How many of them have? active contributions and updates that are done weekly. Give me a ballpark. Let me know what you're using as, as a backbone to the software we're, we're, we're signing on to. It's not to judge you. Everyone uses open source at this point where we can't, you know, ignore it. But I, you know, I think from a, from a, from a vendor risk management perspective today, I'm more focused on the software side than I am over, you know, what controls you have on your firewall. Yeah, that's an interesting point, James. One of the I just read recently that Google is predicting cloud will triple from a market size perspective over the next, I think, roughly six years. And so one of the biggest explosions in vendor assessment that we're seeing is in SaaS and cloud, you know, cloud vendors, not surprisingly. And so we're going to continue to see, you know, uh, rapid growth on that front. But if you look at a lot of the, I would say the majority of assessments that happen today, um, they're built with the old mindset that you're running on your own uh, metal and you're not running on an AWS or a GCP. Or, and, and that is an interesting shift that we've got to have um, that we can, that we can change this mindset because part of what you're saying there is, the buyer, the one doing the assessment can do a better job of setting the bar and the expectations out of the gate and sort of say, here's how we run this process or here's what we're looking for. Uh, and maybe even saying, we've seen companies that have said, and here's the deal breakers and here's things that we're, are not deal breakers, but that we wanna know as well. Um, and so those are some sort of tips or, or best practices that we've seen on that area, especially as we go into more uncharted territory where there's potentially uh, younger companies, st- more startups running on cloud um, that don't have a lot of experience with these types of questions or types of assessments from their potential prospects and customers and maybe actually looking for guidance from someone assessing them. Two, two of my favorite phrases in recent years have become to James point earlier is uh, I often will say to people, um, I understand what you're asking me, but um, that's a commercial decision. 
That's not a security decision. That's a commercial decision. I'm happy to advise you on what I view as the risk may be, but in the end, it's a commercial decision. So that, that, that's, that's one of those there. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the others are all around this idea of um, we're going to ask a question. Like, I love to see these questionnaires because I got the answer for this. They come in and say, describe your email security controls. I'm like, really? That's not a question. That's an essay. And so my answer is simply, we have security controls. Question is overly vague and ambiguous. Please clarify. Whoop, done. <laughs> you know, don't ask me to write an essay. So, so I think that's the problem with vendor risk management questionnaires in general. A lot of them are describe this, describe, describe, describe. And one, you're asking for a lot of time allotment to do that, right? Number two, I'm, I'm wondering what kind of integration we're doing with you and what kind of data we're sharing back and forth before I answer something like that. If you're a chat plugin into my website or if you're a, or if I'm vice versa, I'm less inclined to worry about all those things. What are we really sharing with you? Your, your, your iframe built into my website, right? As long as we're encrypting the traffic in and out, I don't really care about anything else. I don't care what email security you use. I don't. I don't give a rat's tail because none of my data is going to be in your email. Outside yeah. of the business terms of this agreement, nothing else is going to be in your email. Yeah. That's one of the interesting things that we've seen in the last five years even is just more and more sellers realizing that the buyers or the customers assessing them are starting to get it. And so pushing back more and just saying, hey, look, we've already highlighted and here's all the information on the most important topics that you're going to need. All this other stuff, let's just sort of agree. It doesn't really matter as much as these core, you know, two dozen items that we've already delivered to you. And you've got all the information you ever want on those things. And again, that's healthy. And, and to, to sort of the question of what can we do as an industry in the coming 12 months to help with that? I think more of that would be helpful. More vendors, sellers putting together their information in advance and taking control of their own story. Um, because we've all been through those, those experiences where you're getting asked questions that are totally irrelevant to the service you're delivering. And it's just a bunch of non-applicables, right? And, and it's sort of, did you even you know, research, like you're saying, James, the engagement that we're involved in? Because if you would have, all these questions are irrelevant to what we're dealing with. And, and the way that that can change is if we, as the sellers or the vendors, take more control over the story, the, the window into our security that matters and sort of describe here, when you're engaging with our application, here are the things that matter most. Here are the controls that you're going to want to dive into the most. Here's the aspects that pose the most risk. Even we see companies starting to do this. Um, and that that is positive change. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to take years, but we're starting to see that, which I think five years ago, we weren't. It was still a lot of uh, a lot of the back and forth, and that's still the norm today. But it's interesting to see more and more companies taking charge of that now. Yeah, that's why we start with a, we, we've got a 10-page client security assurance summary. And it's just 10 pages of really a lot of it has to do with why are you concerned about the risk of property addresses? <laughs> you know, uh, 
<laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and and that's a little bit flippant because there are there is data that we have to be concerned about, but we're not processing, you know, people's uh, financial data uh, by and large, uh, personal financial data or personal health data and things of that sort. So, you know, that's a starting point. And then that's why we're going to move to this idea of pushing out the SIG. Um, James's point about did you even read the did you even look at the engagement that we're doing? Our industry seems that seems to be fraught with that. I love that at least once every other day, I'll get an email that says, hey, are you interested? We've got a uh, junior uh, cyber analyst position that's available and we need somebody right away on a contract basis. Are you interested? And, and I'm like, did you even read my profile at all? You know, we saw your profile and thought you might be interested. Seriously? No, I don't think so. So I'll give you something very, very interesting I've done. I kind of took the CMMC guideline of how they rate the different threat levels of vendors, meaning what type of audit they need to do. And right. we actually built an online form for our salespeople and our procurement people and our business development people. So anyone who's integrating anyone into our system. So now let's talk about where the buyer side, right? And you're the seller side. So from the buyer side, we built this form and our people go in, our salespeople go in and they go, uh, what department is this for? What's the technology going to do? What's it based off? It's about, you know, 12, 13 question. And it lets them know that based on that, they should, it spits them out essentially the form they need to send them to complete. And the form is really based on our risk appetite of the things we want to know based on how this person is going to integrate with us, right? And so when we have a lot of others, meaning we have some salespeople or business, uh, my favorite are when our procurement people like don't know what we're doing yet with them. We definitely need this technology. We're going to buy it, but we don't know anything about how we're going to integrate it. But, you know, you're next on the process of approving this before we move forward. And I'm like, well, we need to know how you're going to use it before we're able to evaluate it, right? Mm -hmm. And so we've, we had a lot of that disconnect early on and we had to really kind of address it. But from a, from a, from a buyer side, that's really helped a lot of the vendors that we've worked with who, you know, when we get on a call with them and it's not, we get on a call regardless, we do like a 15 at least minute call, even if everything is all right, like, hey, I'm your contact in security, you're my contact in security. If you go through anything, if you have any issues, please call me directly, let me know kind of thing, right? Because we're at the end of the day, we're peers, right? I don't, you know, it's not just a buyer-seller relationship. You're my peer. And so when I'm when you're going through something, it's going to inadversely impact me. And I want you to feel comfortable enough to call me and talk to me about it, right? Again, the idea of transparency. And a lot of them say, this is the easiest form we've ever filled out because it's really, you guys understood what we're, what we're working with you. And, you know, instead of a 250 question thing, it's 50 questions and it's really straightforward and it's, you know, let's jump on a call and figure out any discrepancies. And the, the idea of simplifying this and speeding through it, because one of the things that I looked at the vendor risk, uh, the state of the vendor risk management report that Wistic put out was on average, anytime an Excel isn't answered correctly, it extends the sales period by about four and a half days. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another week of lost revenue. That's another week where the contract doesn't get done. That's another week 
where, where, where things get delayed and and people don't understand how valuable that week is because that's man hour time that can those cost companies millions and millions of dollars over a period of a year well and and, and putting together you know it, you you mentioned it uh, on on the periphery there it's the timing of it too you know I, I use the analogy and, and there are several other examples of this but I use the analogy of you're going to come risk assess me and you have you don't know exactly what we're going to do together yet which would be tantamount to let's do the state inspection on the car while we're assembling it. And oh, by the way, you have to change the tires while we're going 60 miles an hour down the highway. It makes no sense. Get to a stopping point and then do the inspection. Know what you have and then do the assessment. You know, Elon Musk would argue with you over changing a tire at 60 miles an hour. He'd find a way to get it done. <laughs> and God love him if he does, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, James, the other part that, that that highlights as well is just the, again, basic 101 here. Don't have a one-size-fits-all process. Sure. Just scope it based on the inputs. And you can kind of describe what we've seen very helpful for a lot of our customers as well. It's just put together a vendor intake or, or process that plugs into procurement where you scope it out and don't have a one-size-fits-all. And that will make your vendors' lives easier, and that will speed up the pace at which you can do business. And that's a very, you know, fundamental, basic thing that not many companies do. Surprisingly, you know, it's 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 one of those obvious things that just doesn't happen unless you put the brakes on and zoom out a little bit and say, wait a second, maybe we should take a different a different lens on this. So, so this is great. So next year, add this question into the report. Right. And when we do this podcast a year from today, let's evaluate how many people have actually created that process. Did anybody listen? Did anybody listen? Did anybody pay attention? All right, guys. So we're at the end of the show, but I got some trivia. But before I go through the trivia, I want to give you each 60 seconds to predict what does the vendor risk management landscape going to look like a year from today when we reconvene? Will it be Terminator Doomsday style? Day after tomorrow, you know, walking in an icy New York City, cold, frigid temperatures, or will it be sunny roses and, you know, we've solved all of the world's problems and it's Woodstock 19, you know, 68, whatever. So I, I would love to believe that it would it, it would be, uh, uh, you know, uh, rainbows and sunshine uniforms and my little ponies and such, but uh, I'm afraid that we don't have enough critical mass yet to to drive forward with this idea that both Nick and I talked about of proactive management uh, to to uh, a standard or a framework of some sort, whatever that is. Um, I would hope that by this time next year, we will at least uh, uh, be more consistently driven towards a, an industry accepted type framework of some sort, whether it be SIG or whatever you know, whatever the questions are, and that, that the uh, big institutions will stop uh, asking questions that have nothing to do with the services that you're going to provide. And they'll get to, you know, some of the tailored response uh, um, that, that we're looking for. But it will still be Wild West, James. Nick? Yeah, and a tag on, definitely agree with what Patrick's saying there. I think we need to see more chaos before we see more benefits. We need to have more of these issues come to a head and force teams to spend, you know, waste the time, say, I've either got a higher headcount or figure out this process. So I think we'll continue to see pain around that. More companies adopting software, that trend's going to continue. 
um, we've seen from last survey to this survey as well. Uh, more companies looking to adopt industry standards, like Patrick's saying, for sure. A higher percentage of companies that have to go through a security review on every sales deal. Um, and then more, more, uh, more of the dynamic shifting to the seller or to the vendor, I think, is, is another thing we're going to see. Uh, meaning they take more control of that, of the communication on that process, being more proactive around that. Uh, foresee that in the next 12 months for sure as well. Um, so those are, those are a few predictions. I love it. All right, guys, I have one trivia questions for you to add all of this in and Nick, it's your first time on CISO talk. So you get the honors. All right. We won't go through all six of my trivia questions and getting to know you, but we will go through one, the buzzword graveyard. I have a very, very famous buzzword graveyard. It's got many buzzwords buried in it. Which buzzword would you bury in my buzzword graveyard, Nick? I think we talked about this one recently. Zero trust <laughs> was a fun one. And we had, again, to point people back to our, uh, to our previous discussion that we had on, on our, our talk. Um, I think that's, that's an important one, especially as we talk about this concept of really partnering with, with your third-party vendors and, and getting to a point where you can have transparency. I don't know. That's one that we would, Zero trust married many, many of times. In fact, in a survey I did a few months ago on LinkedIn, 50% of it was zero trust was as controversial as the politics of today. It was literally that controversial. 50-50 split over buzzword to an actual security policy and advocates on both sides arguing that the other person doesn't understand what the heck he's talking about when he says zero trust. I think zero trust is a very interesting buzzword. I do. And at Black Hat this year, I'll be doing a, a change my mind on zero trust. Nice. Cool. Pat, what buzzword would you like to bury this time? Gosh, I, you know, I, I've already buried so many in the past. I know, but I, you I get to add know. one more. Man, I, I'd have to give that some thought because I still get hung up on uh, AI as just a trigger of mine, you know, um, and, and uh, the true understanding of AI. And it's getting worse and worse. It hadn't changed a bit. Um, the the new latest, uh, I'm waiting to see if it's if it's true or or a real buzzword is the the secure uh, the sassy stuff, the secure access service edge, and and what that's going to really actually mean because it's competitive with zero trust. And so is this just another way to try and do a cloud-based zero trust model? Um, and, and they know that people are sick of hearing zero trust, so now they've come up with SASE. So that, that may be one, but I think the jury's still out. So that's very interesting. I, I've been looking at SASE as a buzzword because my inbox has been getting hit with it quite frequently over the last about two weeks or so. And so, yeah, I agree with you. I think Sassy is a re, um, reinvented version. It's kind of like the Pepsi of Coca-Cola. Yes, rebranding. Yeah, It's rebranding of zero trust. And, you know, you might sell me on it as Sassy than as zero trust. I mean, let's be honest. Zero trust sounds horrible. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and they say, hey, we, we practice zero trust and they – you know, how does the person on the other side feel? If we're all about feelings, what about the feelings of the other person when you say zero trust? It's very offensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, I don't trust you. 
yeah well and 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 yeah so there's there's all kinds of uh potential uh, problems with uh, not not taking care of the sensitivity of those uh, security professionals we're talking to. So You said it earlier on the show, right? Words matter. Words matter. Yeah. Words matter. Folks, that's it for this bonus episode. Thank you to the awesome, magnificent Patrick Benoit, who's always just coming and sharing wisdom. Last year, we did this in person in awesome Dallas with Mark. This year we do it virtually. Hopefully next year, guys, we do this actually in person. Absolutely. It'd be great. It happen to me, yeah. You know, I don't know if we'd go to do this at RSA, but maybe we find like a really cool event somewhere and do this at a at a really cool event in person. Yep. Sounds good. Sounds Let's do good. it. Nick, thank you so much again for coming on. The State of the Vendor Risk Management Report by Wistic is available on the link below. They are going to ask you for your email address to get it. Deal with it. It's part of marketing. You're going to have to give something up to get something. That's capitalist exchange, folks. So make sure to go and, and take a look at the entire report. The report is actually really, really cool. It does help you build um, a case for how to automate and improve your vendor risk management program. And by the way, I've taken on an Excel challenge with Wista, getting rid of all of our Excels for vendor risk management. I'm now, I think, on day 27 or so. And so things are starting to get a little bit better. Um, I will tell you that I haven't opened an Excel, and I can prove it because Excel isn't even opened on my toolbar on my Mac, right? Like I've got Word, PowerPoint, but Excel isn't even on there anymore because the only time I ever used an Excel was for that. So you're making progress, James. We like to see it. I'm recovering, but make sure to go check out our webinar that Nick and I did with the awesome Chris Roberts and uh, Gray Meyer uh, Gleason. Did I say that right? I'm, I keep butchering. Leaves. 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 Yeah. I'm so sorry. I keep ruining, you know, GMG's name and, and I feel really, really bad, but I have him in my phone as GMG at this point. Uh, kind of the reverse of MGM. There you go. <laughs> Um, go check it out. It's available on YouTube um, right under our bonus uh, episode section. So go check that out as well. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Make sure to subscribe, download the report, support our sponsors over at Wistic as well. Go check it out. Take their challenge as well. And maybe you'll recover from Excel. Like I'm slowly starting to. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a challenge, but we're get, we'll get there. I'll eventually stop using Excels altogether. And then 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 my, my friends at Microsoft will absolutely hate me. It's because of you. All right. But until next time, guys, we'll be back next week with a lot more CISL talk. Till then, cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Take care. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. And get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com.